welcome to the asylum. And now, your hosts, Rick Flieger and Rick Briggs. Coming to you live from Studio B, it's the Asylum Fantasy Sports Show on the Arena Sports Network. And we are Flieger and Briggs. Welcome into the asylum. Getting ready for week 10 already, Rick. It's and I'm already eliminated from most playoffs, so I'm just sort of in cruise control now. Well, yeah, but, uh, you know, you can certainly be an active spoiler in the League of Consequence because you look up and down, <laughs> that it, it, as poorly as it's performed, your lineup is not bad. But before we get into that, tonight's show is brought to you by ButcherBox. Get 100% grass-fed beef, organic chicken, and heritage-bred pork delivered to your door each month for less than $6.50 per meal. Visit arenasportsnet.com and click on the ButcherBox logo and start your monthly order today. Also, Kluwer Supplements. We specialize in pure nutritional supplements with no fillers. Kluwer Supplements is a veteran-owned small business. That's KluwerSupplements.com, K-L-I-E-W-E-R Supplements.com. Also, wow. the Patreon program with ASN, we really appreciate the fans tuning into the great shows at Arena Sports Net, and we'd love to have your support through our Patreon. Go to Patreon.com slash Arena Sports Net to become a monthly supporter. You will help the shows. You will help the network. And you will help it. your boys quit being so cheap and let's get it done. That's right. Get her done. Oh, man. So Larry the Cable Guy, get her done. Is he still around? You nah, don't he hear does. as much about well, him He anymore. does like heartburn medicine. I did notice that, yeah, and the big uh, the big slingshot thing, which intrigues me. Big, big slingshots intrigue me for some reason. So I'd like to check that out. But, yeah, week 10, playoff, what are we? Four weeks away, right? Playoffs usually go through week fourteen or week thirteen, so ten, eleven, twelve, and thirteen. Yeah, you know, I'm at the league of consequence. You mentioned I'm sitting at two and seven. Is there is there a math to use an election term? I I heard a lot last night. Do I have a path to victory to get in the playoffs at two and seven? I don't think so. Because as I watch the attrition going on in the league. I have a chance. Now what? I'll get beat by sixty this week, but I have a chance to win out. Sit at six and seven. Is there any chance six and seven gets it done? Well, let's take a peek here. We have a seven and two team. We have one, two, three, four, six and three teams. We have a five and four team. We have two four and five teams. We have two three and six teams, and then two, counting you. Two and seven teams. Boo. So, I, I mean, demand a recount. Four in a row. Boy, I, tell you, I still don't think it's good enough. It's not going to get it done. Well, that's what happens when you start 0-7, I guess. So I, I get what I deserve. Thank you so much, Alan Robinson. I greatly appreciate that. But let's move on. Let's get into it. For those of you still in the playoff hunt, which I suspect is most of you, as I'm a total loser and everyone listening knows what they're doing, it's time now, Rick. Time for America to heal. Let's put the election in a box, shove it back under the bed where it belongs for the next four years, and let's talk about something that really matters to the American people, and that's their fantasy football team. I think that's what matters anyway. It's all that mattered to me along the way, but a lot of people screamed at me that I should care about other things. I vehemently disagreed, but it starts to get in your head after a while. But as I sit here today, I think I was right. I feel good about it. 
So let's get going here, Rick. Well, we just start to wonder when you're going to take some interest, like, in other things, you know. Like and what? What's that? Like what? What else do you want me to take an interest well, in? Well, you know, like movies and what things of that nature. You know, broaden your horizons. You know, like when, boy? When, boy? <laughs> when? Are you going to get your act together? Rick has a new See? button, if you haven't noticed. God almighty me. I think he's the Antichrist. Anthony, I want to talk to you. Now listen, don't walk away from me when I'm talking to you. If you've you heard Rick screaming about the job before <laughs> sundown, or we're what, what shipping you off to military school with the Finkelstein kid. Son of a this that's apropos of nothing, Rick. This is what happens when you give an old man YouTube and he comes across something. You've heard him on these airwaves for a month now screaming, the Finkelstein kid, <laughs> out of nowhere and for no reason. That's what it came from. I'm a fool and I put it on the board for him, so I apologize to all of you. You're going to hear a whole lot of that for the next couple of weeks. Oh, until oh, the I think, season's over. I think we need Forever. To, I think we need to mention as well, Yes. no thanks to Clifford V. Alejandro Villanueva. Yeah, where is he? Three weeks into his career at the asylum. Where is he? He's taking a day off. Now, he played it right, Rick. I'll give him this. Wait, he played it Pedro smart. Pedro or something? When he requested his time off. And there's a formal time off request here at the asylum, as you know, Rick. We, well, we yeah. run a very tight program oh, around here. It's a tight ship right here and, in the asylum. And he submitted that this is a week he goes on a hunting trip every year. Okay. And, yeah, you got to approve that, right? Um, I mean, you tell me your wife's having surgery, you're having a baby, you're having your foot amputated. You know, suck it up, be a man. we got a show to do if you're going hunting. I'm good. All right. Yeah, so so no do doubt. that. No doubt. So he played it well. Hopefully Alejandro will be back next week and back in his chair. So bear with us if things get a little choppy as I run back and forth to the control room to perform his duties and sit here in my chair with my microphone that's properly tuned for me so I can give you this golden this golden voice. Don't try exactly to steal like, uh Well, that's right. The snowman Snowman's calls himself Golden here. Boy. Nah. Golden Pipes. Is that better? I, I always liked go. Pipes anyhow. But let's get into the headlines of the week, Rick. Uh, <laughs> explain this one to me. Case Keenum going to get the start again week 10 for the Rams. How bad must Jared Goff be or how stupid is Jeff Fisher? I don't know what to make of this at this point. The season's over. I could see them grasping for a while. It looked like they maybe had a shot at the playoff. That team is so anemic. Why not give the kid a chance? They can't run the ball, so obviously if you can't run the ball, you need to pass the ball to take the pressure off the run game. Case Keenum can't pass no, the ball. He can't throw the football. No. Casey Kasem stinks. How bad is Jared – I mean, is he – and it's, I'm certainly not suggesting this, but, I mean, he either cannot grasp the offense or he certainly can't recognize defenses. <laughs> I mean, what is the problem with this kid? We know he can throw. Well, it can't be an issue of grasping the offense. Let's eliminate that now. Yeah, I mean, because how, I've how watched, complicated is Jeff yeah, Fisher's offense? I've watched Jeff Fisher coach for low on 15 years now. And his offense is we run two draws and then fling the ball up in the air, <laughs> sometimes on third down if we don't just run another draw. That's the offense. I think the kid can handle that. He's got a pretty good pedigree. 
Maybe he can't read defenses. I don't know. Get him in a game and let's find out. I don't understand how this clown still has a job, number one. They're talking about extending him. And come on, Casey Kasem, he's a really – really nice backup, right? I'd oh, love yeah. to have him as my backup quarterback anywhere. You can't have this guy starting. You went out, you traded up, you spent all the money, you took a first overall pick. Normally, Rick, I advocate for waiting on the, on the first-round guy, on the quarterback. I Maybe I'm getting old, and I remember the days where a quarterback sat behind a starter for two years before he even got a look. That, that Those times are gone. It's over, right? Well, and when Casey Kasem's your best option, that's the scenario where he, this isn't Aaron Rodgers behind Brett Favre. This is Jared Goff behind Casey Kasem, for Christ's sake. You know one thing? I, you brought up a great point about sitting behind a quarterback. And really, are those days gone? Now, you look at Aaron Rodgers. He was behind Brett Favre. No thanks to Brett Favre. Oh, no, he wanted nothing to do with him. He hated him. No, and and, and you look, and I'll have to say the same thing about Peyton Manning. Who sat behind him? Oh, what was that kid's name? He had, like, the blonde mop top. Who was that? Yeah, I mean, I was hoping you could remember. (laughs) I can't remember the guy's name. I'm going to effort that while you make your point. But the point is, who sat behind Tom Brady? Matt Castle didn't turn out all that good, but led them to 11-5 and five but season. But Tom Brady sat behind Drew Bledsoe. Now, that's listen, a sixth-rounder versus my, the first Listen rounder. to my point, though. That's, that's not my point. Garoppolo, what is it, Brissette? Mm-hmm. Sitting behind Brady. The, the, this is one thing that I think's missing – it has, it's become prima donna land with quarterbacks that I don't think the mentoring is there. I well, think it probably. is in New England. Yeah, yeah. I, I truly believe it's in New England. I, th- I think Tom Brady, yeah, you, you can love him, you can hate him, whatever you want. I think he is team first. Look, this guy is still performing at Pro Bowl level well into his late 30s. And if he happens to go out, yeah, all of the suspension this year. Jim Sorgi, that's yeah, Sorgi, right? Exactly. <laughs> they go into suspension. They don't miss a beat because they work as a team. I take issue with Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh. Landry Jones is twenty-seven years old. He should be able to come in there, and they shouldn't miss a beat. No, he stinks. Look, I'm telling you. I mean. This is a pro quarterback. He's a he's a second string quarterback. Right. If he's a second string quarterback, and if he's that bad, then by God, get rid of him. Well, I agree. And, with that. and get anybody in there that can run an offense. But I don't think that they're developing a lot of these guys sitting behind their prima donnas, and oh, and, and that is, to me, a crime, not only for the young guys, but it's also short sightedness from teams well it's a win now culture right it's win now but what if your guy goes down in week five yeah. you don't win now that's I, the point i get that but but here's the problem outside of pittsburgh obviously with the rams organization when you look at jeff fisher yeah, and, it's a and, different story and this, well but and this may be why but 
here's my point. Outside of very few situations, you have one bad year where you don't meet expectations. Hell, if you have one year where you make the playoffs and you were supposed to go to the Super Bowl and you get knocked out in the first round of the playoffs and you're a coach, what happens? You get fired. You know, go back to Jerry Glanville, NFL, not for long. You're, you're out of here, right? So I don't know how much time you can afford developing a second-string quarterback. You've got to win now. You've got to give all those reps to that first guy trying to eke out every win because one 6-10 and ten season, you're the offensive coordinator in Cleveland next season. Point being, there are things that happen in training camp, in practices, yeah, Brady gets all the reps. But if Garoppolo comes in, they perform. Well, that New England situation is a whole different animal up there. He somehow creates robots up there, and it's it's amazing to see. I hate him, but it's amazing to see. It is. I mean, and I, I don't know. I, I think they're that they are missing the boat somewhere along the line. You have, you know, it, it – we're already off topic yeah, anyway. Go ahead. Let it ride. We'll get to fantasy football I want to take issue with Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh coaching staff right now. I mean, I think – Well, there goes my number one takeaway. Thank I think you for that. that there are player coaches or players coaches. Right. And then there are – Taskmasters. Well, there are that. I'm talking about there's there's – legitimate players coach. I think Bill Cowher was a legitimate players coach. He was a players coach, but you know what? He knew where the line was drawn. Oh yeah. Okay, you look Ask at Bam look Morris, at this right? <laughs> look at this last game against Baltimore. Oh, how are you not prepared? They had well, yeah, besides that, they were not prepared. But how do you have whatever it was in the first half, eight, nine penalties, something like that. And you come out in the opening kickoff of the second half, and you're freaking offsides. Yeah. <laughs> why was why weren't they red, white, and blue chewed out over all the penalties in the first half? I don't. And that if, seems if they were, if they were, they're certainly not taking any of his threats seriously. No, no. All right. Number two, Joey Porter is no more a linebacker development coach than than I am. He's a great cheerleader. Yeah. But they are not escalating their play or elevating their play, whatever. No, no, I agree with that. And furthermore, they don't really have any defensive leaders on that team. They don't have any good players on the defense either. Well, Cam Hayward's a nice piece. He's not a real pro bowler, he's a good player. Shazier could be, but he's made of glass. And that's it. Yeah. That's where it ends. Jarvis Jones, maybe he sort of seemed to turn a corner this year. Mike he, Mitchell's dirty. Yeah, he's just an idiot. He's just a loud mouth who hits hard. And and I hate to say it because this guy was great. He's still playing at a, at a nice level at his age. But James Harrison is Mike Tomlin's buddy. Mm-hmm. And he wouldn't be starting for many teams in this league. No, he's the perfect third-down pass rusher. Right. And I think that's the role they've tried to keep him in because Jarvis Jones and nobody else can stay on the field for that team. He finds himself on the field for too many snaps. 
But I think that's the role he filled. I, we saw Kevin Green, I think, do that a lot at the end of his career, right? Right. Who was Carolina or Green Bay? I can't Carolina, remember where believe, he where yeah. he finished up. And you'd see him only on third down, obvious passing situations to rush the, rush the passer, and that's what he should be doing. But these clowns are so bad and or can't stay on the field, and therefore James Harrison's taking way too many snaps. And there goes the arrow all the way back to the coaching right, staff again. Exactly. And, and I'll tell you There's what. There's problems in Pittsburgh. There's there's a lot of problems in Pittsburgh, and it starts with Mike Tomlin. Look, I, I I don't like to just bash coaches, you know, especially when you have a record that he's had. He's been what he's won a Super Bowl. He's been to another. So, but they are not. I I don't know. They they play so schizophrenic. It's not even funny. Right. I mean, they come out after a bye and look like the flattest team in the world. That's ludicrous. Now, we've seen this, and this is something – I don't know if we ever discussed it on the air. I know we've discussed it, though, but I was always cautious when we talked about the impact of what this Steelers offense was going to be and the difference between a Ben Roethlisberger and a Drew Brees or a Peyton Manning in his prime. The number one, Roethlisberger misses a bunch of time, but we'll, we'll throw that out. Let, right. Let's forget about that. But number two, he's got three or four of these clunkers in him every season. Yeah. Completely inexplicable. And this happens even in their good seasons, even in their Super Bowl seasons. He has a few of these. I don't know what it is. I don't know what causes it. I, 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 I just flat don't understand. But he's got a few of these in. Where Did you ever see Drew Brees do this? Once no. every two years, maybe? Somebody comes up with something and slows him down, or he's off a little bit. But he's got three or four of these clunks. So we've seen two. He's probably got another one or two in him, depending on how much more time he misses. Because I got to assume he misses more time before this is all. I certainly have no stats in front of me. But how many times do you do you can you recall in the last eight years that New Orleans was beaten whatever twenty seven seven or no? You know what I'm saying? They lose thirty five. 24 if they get blown out right that's yeah i agree with you i there's something with with i don't know there's problems in pittsburgh and mike tallman can't beat john harbaugh no no he's scared they, of they switch they switch nothing up baltimore's always ready for everything that they have all the time and Ben Roethlisberger stinks against baltimore yeah yeah oh, there's no question about it even in games they win it's a struggle they're 16, 13 games, things like that, some wild play at the end. So, yeah, I don't get it, Rick. I don't know. I don't know what to make. I don't know what to make of this Steelers team because I also believe they could go on a five or six game run here down they the could. stretch and yeah. win that conference. And and probably in my mind, it's stupid as it sounds, with as bad as that defense is, in my mind, the only true threat to New England for the AFC. Quite frankly, just based purely offensively, and maybe they could keep up with them and make a big play. I agree. I mean, we're going to get into it in takeaways and factor fiction. We're going to sort of break down these other teams. I said stupidly on this air last week, and I got this one wrong that I wasn't buying the Raiders. I think we got to buy the Raiders, right? But still, all right, anytime you get a team that's a year or two ahead of schedule, you wonder what what's going to happen when you go to Foxborough in a playoff game, right? You, I don't right. have any confident Oakland, confidence Oakland can win that one. Denver defensively, we saw they're vulnerable to the run, but let's not overreact to that. But they have no offense, right? Trevor Simeon stinks. We're probably going to see Paxton Lynch at some point. And who is he? I don't know. 
So right. you've got issues there. You know, the other team that you can even talk Kansas about, City. Kansas City, maybe, but Alex Smith versus Peyton or Tom Brady, come on, right? As well as they can run the ball and as well as they can play defense, I'll tell you Alex Smith versus Tom Brady, and that's all we need to discuss, right? Well, and that, that's the point. The, there are certain teams that could run with New England offensively. Pittsburgh, San Diego, yeah, Indianapolis. However – Defensively, none of them play any defense. There's nobody save at times Pittsburgh. They can, yeah, they can, but usually they don't. I mean, you know, that's the thing. They've only given up 170 points in eight games. What they did two weeks ago, really, yeah, without Ben Roethlisberger going into that game with no expectations, they got beat fairly soundly but it's not like new england ran them out of the gym right. it wasn't even close to that you know, they played them well so and that's the thing so I, they could go out and put out another one of these clunkers when we get to the game picks on sunday on the slant i fully expect the steelers to not only win this game against the cowboys i think they win it by by more than a score i, I think this is a an 8 to 11 point type of win. I don't know why. I just have that feeling with a this team. A lot of people are doing that. I But they could go out and they could go out and get boat raced too. I just you don't know who this Steelers team is from week to week. We know who they are at their best. We know who they are at their worst. You don't know what you're going to get any given week. I agree. You're right. All right. Well, I don't know how we got down that road. Let's get to a few of the fantasy headlines. What, what, what are we talking about? Where did we start with? Let's start with Case Keenum and Jared Goff. And oh, yeah, the Rams. And somehow we squeezed 10 minutes out of that, and it morphed into a state of the Steelers address. So it sounds like the asylum, right? Yeah, we are the asylum. All right. Yeah, and we are Flager and Brace. Absolutely. Here's another one, Rick, we could probably talk about for a half an hour. Tony Romo returns to practice, although he's only working with the scout team. Unlikely to be active this Sunday, but Jerry Jones is starting to just creak that door a little bit open. Says they're going to play things by ear once Tony Romo's fully healthy. Is there any scenario, Rick, we had this debate, is there any scenario Jerry Jones does this with the way this team's playing and that quarterback is playing right now? He can't be that dumb, can he? Well, we had that debate a month or so ago. I forget. I think that was our first or second debate. That might have been the first one, right? Yeah. You know, if what you said comes true, and I'll have to pull up the schedule here, yeah, okay, this is week 10. Okay, let's go to week 11. Okay, if what you say this week comes true where Pittsburgh beats Dallas by more than a score. Okay. And next week Dallas is at home and somehow Baltimore comes into Dallas, shuts down Ezekiel Elliott and beats Dallas, yeah, I think we'll see Tony Romo. Other than that, there's no chance in the world that they should be playing him it's pure insanity. It's just pure insanity. I agree. What what I don't understand, and look, there's some national guys out there still, after everything Dak Prescott's done, national guys in the media out there saying, this is Tony Romo's team. Tony Romo gives you the best chance to win in the playoffs. Hold on. What did Tony Romo ever do in the playoffs? And nothing. We I had it in the debate. I think four, and he's got about a you know 333 win percentage or a 40% win percentage, something awful in the playoffs. He's always hurt. He throws that just dagger of a pick at the end of every single game. Yeah, maybe it'll look more crisp. It'll look more like 
Pittsburgh when it's rolling or New England at times with Tony Romo. Maybe it's better for Des Bryant. I don't know how much does that factor in. But right now you're sitting at 7-1, seven, one, seven and one, running the ball with a ball control quarterback who makes good decisions. Now there's a, there's a separator right there who makes good decisions almost always, always makes good decisions, gets the ball down the field and wins games. I I can't I don't care if they go O for their next three unless Prescott takes a turn, kind of like what Carson Wentz done in the last couple weeks, which a rookie can always do. A, I grant you this, a rookie can always do this, but until till he does it for an extended period of time. Now, I agree with you, Jerry Jones probably will do it, but if he does, he's a bigger fool than even I thought he was. The only way, and, and, and I just don't think this will happen, I mean, they're, they're sitting right now at 7-1. and one. They're two games ahead of the Giants, two and a half against Washington, ahead of Washington. If the Giants keep playing the way they've been playing, they've won three straight, if they win a couple in a row and Dallas loses a couple in a row, now they're tied. Yeah, you're going to see some rumblings. Right. But I agree with you. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. And I agreed with you when we debated this. Yeah, it's I two never, conversations. Yeah, Should I, they or will they? Yeah, right? exactly. Right, yeah. I think they could. Now, I don't think it's going to come from Tony Romo. I think Tony Romo... Say what you will about him in the playoffs and whatever. I think he's a consummate pro. I think he's right. team first. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to do everything the right way. He's going to say all the right things. He's going to support Dak Prescott. He's going to stay prepared in case something happens if they do well, need Well, think him. about that. Talk about all of a sudden you got the best backup quarterback in the league <laughs> and a team that's yeah. going to make the playoffs, right? And that, it doesn't and, matter who's starting. They get, you got the best yeah, quarterback either way, in the league. You've got the best backup quarterback in the league. Yeah, when you look at it from a Tony Romo perspective, obviously I don't know Tony Romo personally. Oh, I, I just know Asylum. Well, yeah, you, you two are tight. I understand that. Back when he was dating Jessica Simpson, and you had dated her before, and but you guys still managed to get along. Baby, so that well, that's right. probably more that's how old I that's am. That's probably more likely. Yeah, you definitely could have done that. <laughs> that's good. I like that. Here's my sense of Tony. Let me ask you this: If it was you. Yeah, two right, people okay. that I think. I'm, I'm who? You're Tony Romo. Okay. You've played your whole career. Mm-hmm. Came from nowhere. Became a star in this league. You've reached the end of your career. Yeah. Could Never quite got it over the hump, but you were a star. You made a ton of money. Now your body's breaking down. Boy, isn't it, though? You can't do it long term. And a pro athlete never wants to admit it, but you know it. You know it, Tony, right? Oh, you know yeah. it's over. You, you can't do it anymore. Here you are on the team. You're the backup quarterback. You're the Drew Bledsoe to Dak Prescott's Tom Brady. Is Dak Prescott going to wind up being Tom Brady? No, but he he's, he could be. We don't know that. He could be in the upper echelon of quarterbacks a la Tom Brady. I don't right. think he becomes Tom Brady, but here's the point. I think, Tony, you're going to be all right with holding that clipboard, being prepared, and letting this kid go out and get you the Super Bowl ring you've played and taken this beating your whole career for, you've given up your body for, to where four of the last six times you've been on the field, you've broken a bone. All right, so your body can't do it anymore. I think, Tony, you're going to be more than happy to be a pro, hold that clipboard, be prepared, keep that kid prepared, and win a Super Bowl ring. Yeah. I don't think you're going to get rumblings of Tony Rowe. This is, this is all Jerry Jones. This has nothing to do with Tony Rowe. I agree 100%. And, and you know what? Tony Romo will be – I mean, what a, what a feeling 
if say you're whatever, ten and three, you know, or mm-hmm. eleven and eleven and four, and you're heading to the playoffs or whatever it is, and then all of a sudden, even if it's a minor, Dak Prescott, oh gee, twisted his ankle, you know. Hey Tony. Yeah, come take a come couple on in snaps. there, partner. Let the kid rest up before we yeah. get to the wild card. That's a good situation Boy, to be isn't in. It, though? It's a good situation for the team, and it's a good situation for both of those quarterbacks. Exactly. All right, well, we didn't leave much time for fantasy news. In fact, we've left a minute and a half, so I'll just rip right through them. Jaquiz Rogers going to be out again with that sprained foot. Doug Martin back practicing, but still very questionable this week. Anton Smith out, so look out for Peyton Barber and Mike James this week. Good, good move trading. Uh, Trading your boy Muscle Hamster for a kicker, by the way. Maybe we'll get into that. Later. Yeah. <laughs> Spencer Ware looks like he is back. Jay Gruden states that Rob Kelly is going to be this Redskins early down back this week. Victor Cruz out with an ankle sprain. Jeremy Macklin day to day with a groin. Mike Evans is in the concussion protocol. Alan Hearns is in the concussion protocol. I want to talk about before this show's over, Rick, the Travis Kelsey situation and that field goal debacle <laughs> yeah. at the end of the first half of the Monday night game. Both of those we have to squeeze in somewhere. That's like the Finkelstein kid right there. I tell you what, that, that was great. Honest to Pete, I never saw anything. That was some behavior that Finkelstein kid would do, that GD Finkelstein yeah. kid would pull. There's no doubt about it. But I'll tell you what, Rick, let's break here. Maybe it, when we come back from the break, we'll talk about Kelsey. We'll talk about Monday Night Football. Game ball, stinky socks, love, hate, you name it, we got it all here exclusively on the Arena Sports Network. Welcome back to the Asylum. We are Flieger and Briggs. Hey, we are in the midst of our Thursday night turn-up programming on Arena Sports Net, which includes our two new shows. Stay out of my crease, talking all hockey notes with Kim Deming, courtesy of AFS Radio, and also Fighters Drinking Coffee, which is just that, combat sports discussion over coffee. Our new time to kick off our programming is 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Log on to Arena Sports Net to tune in live. And definitely check that one out because nothing goes better together than no. combat sports and coffee. <laughs> you right? got that right, man. Uh, actually, that'd probably be a show for you. I don't know if that'd be a show for me. I, I neither like coffee or getting punched in the face, but uh, there's probably real men out there who do, so definitely check that well, out. I love coffee. Been punched in the face quite a few times. Uh, I've been punched in the face. I don't enjoy it, but, you know. Yeah, there's a time in your life where you kind of do. I guess you never yeah. really like it, but you want to get in a fight. I, I hit an age, well, probably 15 years ago now, where I realized even if you win the fight, it still hurts getting yeah, punched it, it in the face. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. I'm just not a warrior. I guess. I'm not the I'm not the hero type. I'm not the tough guy type. I, I'm not a tough guy, but I used to think I was. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was 10 feet tall and bulletproof oh, yeah. for testosterone. For That's 25 what it's years called, of my life. And then one day, I said, look at you. <laughs> Who are you kidding? Shut up. Uh, I have these internal conversations. Well, yeah, exactly. All right, well, let's get into it, Rick. I wanted to talk about how did Travis Kelsey avoid a suspension? I assume he's going to be fined, although there's been no word of it yet. Maybe it's so ridiculous, so sublime, the league can't even bring themselves. I actually saw this. They were showing this on the red zone, so I saw it in real time. And he's arguing the call, and it probably wasn't interference. It was close enough that I don't think it merited that response. 
and the ref throws a flag at him. So what's he do? He had a towel in his back pocket, so he threw it back at him. That, that's so fantastic. then the ref throws his hat. Throws his hat because he's out of flag. Right. Just a great, great sequence. It was beautiful. I honestly thought Kelsey would find himself suspended there, but apparently that's not a suspendable offense. Well, he didn't actually – yeah, I mean, he didn't hit the referee or he didn't make contact That's with true. him. That's true. He just threw a towel Threw a at towel him. in his direction. Exactly. So, there you oh, go. Oh, man. Just good stuff. Good theater. So, I'm sure he'll pay a little fine, but it, it was well, well worth it. It was and quite you know, humorous. Travis Kelsey has one of them uh, reality shows, apparently. I, I didn't realize this, but I was I was on the tweeters and I, I was doing some research to see if the, before the show if there had been any word of a fine or of a suspension or anything before we went on the air here today. And 80% of the tweets were, were from these women, you know, talking about how much they love him and how much they love the show and which chick he should choose. So apparently he's on one of these. It's called Catching Kelsey, and it's one of these dating shows they all do. And so he's got all these nines and tens, airheads chasing him around. You know, of course, I did a little research when I saw the when I saw the women, you know what I mean? And so it, uh, I was surprised by it. Your button didn't work. I got to run back to the control room. Yeah, what's the matter with that? <laughs> well, the we Cletus took the day off, and uh, there's too many moving parts here. That's but I'm going to remedy that before we get into the game balls and, and stinky socks. <laughs> did you see the end of the first half on Monday night? That that complete and utter debacle, just embarrassment for the league. Did you see this? How does this keep happening? Um, what are you referring to? The Seattle Buffalo. You have no recollection of this of the of the. Well, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm oh, not my. sure what you're referring to. Okay, so at the end of the first, I don't know how. You, well, you go to bed at seven thirty, I guess, is the problem. <laughs> so at the right at the end of the first half, Seahawks score. Jimmy Graham catches another one-handed touchdown, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, you know what? Yeah, you know what? I actually went to bed right before halftime because it was just. <laughs> I don't know of, how this was outside of your conscience. You can tell Christmas is coming up, and in your business, this is your busy period that you missed it. So here's the scenario. I'm tired. Tyrod Taylor in very short order. I think a lot. You don't think. I'm very tired. You yell a lot. Exhausted. You yell a lot. You drink a lot. I yell a lot. You're flatulent a lot, but thinking a lot's not something (laughs) I buy. I think a lot and I yell a lot because when I think about the people that I know, I get angry. So I start yelling. Fair enough, but so you're thinking about drinking and getting no, angry. Thinking mostly about things that you said on the last <laughs> show, so then I get mad and start yelling. I do elicit a response. So And it exhausts me. I'm this will be you. a recap to all real football fans, but this will be news to Rick Briggs. So so good. Here we go. So it's late in the first half. Seattle's just scored. Tyrod Taylor, who had an amazing game, right? All right. Drives Buffalo down into field goal range with with no time left on the clock. So they get lined up for, uh, I want to say, a 49 or a 50, right around a 50-yard field goal. You know what? I did see that. Richard Sherman runs off sides. Yep. Runs into the kicker. Right. No 15-yard penalty. Call a five yards off sides, which is ridiculous in and of itself. The kicker, you blowed him up. Blowed him up. All right. I think it's blew him up. No, it's blowed him up. So then, blue. 
<laughs> Why you gotta argue with me? Something so simple. Semantics, really. It's blowed up. That's what the kids say, Rick. I'm down with the kids. No, you ain't a kid, okay? You have a kid oh, that's that true. thinks you're just some old coot, which you are, she okay? She does call me old a lot. You are. It stings. I, I hang out with, I work at home, so I work by myself, right? So really, my only human interaction outside of the <laughs> people, very sad. the people to whom I'm related, the woman to whom I'm related <laughs> by marriage and our offspring is you. And Cletus. <laughs> so me and Cletus are about the same age, right. and you're 40 years older than me, so I get in my mind that I'm young, and then on the rare yeah. occasions I venture out into society, I realize that I am an old goat in the eyes of everyone that I run into. I'm an old goat. But I've I've siloed myself in such a fashion that I don't realize it yet. I know, but see, that that's one advantage of being my age. Because, you know it. I mean, because I... The only human contact I have with is like you and Cletus, your family, <laughs> and, you know, basically everybody. I mean, you're just young whippersnappers that know nothing, and, and I accept that. I, I understand that you're stupid. <laughs> you, you, well, you, I'm not sure that's a fair Well, of course it is, because with age comes wisdom. <laughs> And, and you just don't no, know anything. With your yet. age comes cirrhosis of the liver. Oh. I don't know about wisdom. Speaking of which, and I, I can't hardly take a whole lot of credit. We, we took a left turn here. <laughs> we're not discussing what we were supposed to be. I can't hardly take a whole lot of credit for this. However, all right, we did have this argument with. Um, Dean from Connecticut during the, the Sunday morning inside slam. I was trying to remember what we fought about. We, I were you right? I. I Damn. Recommended Jack Doyle over Kobe Fleener. Jack Doyle was five for sixty-one. So in PPR, if it's full point, that's eleven point one. Mm-hmm. Not nothing spectacular. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd climb to the top of the mountain here. But Kobe Fleener, one. three for forty-two. I mean, I tell you, Kobe Fleener well, will drive you. But I think we. Nuts. I th- well, yeah, and I think we recommended Pitta, didn't we? Who was about two for. 15 or something so they all stunk i guess well in the our whole defense. argument was because you were Dwayne allen was coming back yeah what were exactly. Dwayne allen's numbers in that game i'd be you know curious. i don't even know i'll have to look that up while you pay yeah, you look that up so let me get back to the story since Please you do. since you were in bed or passed out as the rest of us call it but rick calls it going to bed <laughs> as i do the air quotes thing so they give them only the five, not the 15. The trainers had to come out in the field because, like most kickers, he looked like he'd been hit with a cannonball. That we thought he was going to die. And all of a sudden, he must have been a soccer player because then all of a sudden he hopped up and he was feeling Joseph good. Joseph die. Right. So they didn't call. Dwayne Allen was one for 15. All right. So Dwayne Allen didn't make that much of a difference. You're still old. Anyhow, so. And I'm still wise and right. Had they called the 15. <laughs> Had they called the 15-yard uh, personal foul, he could have stayed on the field and kicked the ball plus that 15 because it was only a five-yard offsides. They brought the trainers onto the field. He had to come off the field for a play. Completely ridiculous, right? But whatever. So he runs the off. Ryan runs the offense back on. They got three seconds left. It's only third down. So they they snap and, and down the ball. They okay, spike. It. spike so it. they still got a second left to kick the ball. Run the offense back out. The referees haven't brought the kicking ball out because they had the regular ball out for the spike. They didn't bring the kicking ball out. They start the 25-second clock. They stand over the ball waiting for the kicking ball to come out. They bring the K ball out. The umpire stands over the ball still until there's four seconds left on the play clock. Then he runs out. 
gives them the motion to go ahead and kick. Of course, the play clock expires. They never reset it. They penalize Buffalo that five yards right back, sent them backwards, and shocker, he missed the kick. How do you let this happen on Monday night football? Because it is what we've talked about about the last three or four years. It's not a two-team sport anymore. You have the home, the visitors, and the refs. They have to be part of the show. And it is getting so ridiculous in some of the ineptness that they show. I mean, it's to the point of pathetic. But it's just the lack of common sense. You see a kicker get... Ineptness. Right. It's ridiculous. Where is a commissioner? Where is the authoritative body of the NFL say, look, guys, you guys suck. (laughs) All right? And, And if you're going to continue to do this, as you just smash your microphone, if you continue to do this... You're you're either going to be taken off. You're you're going to be suspended. They seem to suspend everybody else. Yeah, this is where Josh Norman was right. The context in which Josh Norman was having this rant, I completely disagreed with. Right. But what he said was right. You know, there is a progressive punishment system for these players for everything from what they what's on their shoes to yeah. what they put into their bodies and everything in between. The referees go out and make error after error after error. And nothing happens. The only them. thing that happens is maybe, however they're graded out, it affects them financially when they get to the playoffs if they're not getting the big playoff games or not getting playoff games, whatever. But, I mean, that's completely ridiculous. Because if you take it to some of its parts, all right, maybe it was a judgment call that Sherman tried to pull up. He didn't hear the whistle, whatever, and we're only going to give you the five, not the 15. All right, we'll live with that. Okay, but it was five for offsides, correct? Right. Well, if it wasn't the personal foul, it still should have been five yards running into the kicker, which is an automatic first. Right. Which wouldn't have mattered still. Or maybe it's not automatic first, but it still should have been yeah. you know, running into but the But they're kicker. only going to give you one the way the rules are written. So True. you get that one five-yard. Then here's where the lack of common sense comes in, and this is what frustrated me. All right? So they start to play clock as they were supposed to. They made an error in not having the K-ball out there. Rather than having the common sense to say, well, wait a minute. We, we botched it here. We didn't get the ball out in time. Reset that play clock to 25 or to 15 right. or wherever they reset it when they have to do it. And then this jabroni standing over the ball till there's three or four seconds. Why are you still standing there? Right. Get the hell out. And so then to not have the common sense when, when you're the back judge and you throw your flag, not to have the common sense to say, well, yeah, the, the play clock did expire, but, you know, Alfred was standing over the ball until four seconds ago. Maybe we should reset. You know, it's just the lack of common sense I find damnably frustrating. It is, and it goes back to what we were just talking about. That you know, some of these guys should be suspended or fined or just not allowed to ref until they go through some sort of training protocol or something because it is totally ridiculous. And, and when you look at it in the context of the ratings being down, especially being down. Didn't we talk about 25% on Monday nights? So you're struggling on Monday night anyhow. You're on election eve. You know, you got a big on it. You have a fantastic game. I didn't say, if I remember, I predicted that game to go 16-9 or something like that. Yeah. It's a freaking shootout at halftime. Russell Wilson and Tyrod Taylor just playing out of their minds. You got this great game. You're on national TV. You're struggling getting ratings. And this is all we're talking about the next week. What it ended up being a great game come down to the very last possession. It, It 
it's ridiculous. How do you, as the NFL, let this stand? How do you stand for this? It's Meanwhile, you threaten they, to remove your best players because their shoes don't meet your specifications. Because really? they think they're bigger than what they are. It, it, it happens to companies. It happens to movie stars. It you know look, yeah. look at Charlie Sheen. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they it, it's getting to the point where they think they're bigger than everybody else. And, and well, I think they're finding out by the consumers this season that maybe they're not. Yet they're still not because they're still like you said. They're finding excuses as to why. Right. Right. Well, we're going to have to maybe charge sports bars for an NFL package yeah. or, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, don't get kind me started Because everybody's all. going to sports bar. Mm-hmm. We really haven't lost viewership. They're just going yeah. to Buffalo Wild because Wings no, because it's such a wonderful place. Nobody hung out in a bar and watched football and got hammered prior to 2016, right? No. And it no. was the election's fault, right? Because we never had an election in this country before. Well, that's and, true. And because, I don't think they ever had and one. And because people like me, I got really pulled away from a good football game or the Red Zone channel to watch Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton poke each other in the eye. Yeah, that that's your problem, stupid. Come on. It's because your product stinks, and anytime you get a good product rolling, you find a way to screw it up. I don't know, by doing things like suspending your the face of your organization for a deflated football two and a half years ago, you take him out for four games. Maybe it's because you do crap like this. It could be that. It, it, yeah, they're going to learn a hard lesson sooner or later. They truly are. Like, Let's like get moving. Like here. I said, Rome, nobody thought Rome would fall until it fell, until right? It fell, <laughs> I think exactly. that's what it comes down to. All right, Rick, let's get to some fantasy football now, about 45 minutes into the show. Oh, okay. How about uh, game ball? Who's your game ball for the weekend? I, I have a prediction of where you're going to go here. Do you think? I think I know exactly where you're going to go. Melvin Gordon. Oh, I didn't he think he was. He is my game ball, buddy. 196 well yards. Plus 50 or 60 rushing. He was about two and a half total. Or, yeah. ru- or receiving. Yeah, I mean. four for 65 plus a touchdown. Melvin Gordon, I tell you what. In fact, I put out a tweet today. A I lot did of, see that pat in the back you put out. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm serious. I mean, there was. Um, I just happened to see somewhere on Twitter, you know, somebody put out an article. My take on Melvin Gordon's um, breakout. I mean, that's the problem. Is, you know, was he wet towel it like it, all the other ones do? Well, you didn't read the article. I wouldn't have read it either. No, I mean, Good. but if you've been following the asylum. Since April. You would not have been surprised at no. Melvin Gordon this no. year. And quite frankly, you wouldn't be stunned that Jamal Charles is done. I was, but you, you were dubious, but you, yeah, weren't, yeah. you weren't adamant that he wasn't yeah, you, done Yeah, you nailed that coffin shut already, so i got to so, tip doth my cap to thee. So, I mean, you know, lesson learned to the Arena Sports Network family out there. Stick with the asylum. Well, listen to your boys. Absolutely. I agree with that. Rick, so I will give the game ball I thought you were going to. Did you see Latavius Murray putting up a buck fourteen oh, and three think, yes, on the Broncos? Sir. You saw yes, that coming, sir. right? I believe if we go listen to the, read the transcripts of the slant, that's precisely what you said. I have to admit that uh, did not see that coming. No, um, Latavius Murray been kind of fighting the turf toe all year. Denver's been pretty good against the run, but I tell you what, it didn't. How does this happen? And, I, and I'm not taking anything away from Latavius Murray. I'm going to, so go ahead. 
how does it happen when you have a defense that everyone is so scared of? Is it because they said, okay, Derek Carr ain't throwing on us? And which then, he didn't. Which opened up the – I mean, can, can you not defend both? I mean, that's, yeah. that's my point. Here, here's what it comes down to for me, and I'm going to make one argument that I always hate making and hearing made, but it bolsters my argument, so when it's convenient to me, I'm going to use it. Number one, first and foremost, the left side of that Oakland Raiders offensive line are absolute road graders, and I did not realize that. This is the first time I sat down and in totality watched a Raiders game. This is the first Raiders game this season I've watched Well, we knew they made some upgrades from last year. They had the injuries last year as well, and they were healthy. But their run game just hasn't really clicked. Right. You know, all year long so i mean that's why it really surprised me against this denver defense so here's the latavius murray conundrum rick very early on he had a plus 40 or 50 run all right and i hate that argument because you can't take it out but in this case i think i can for this reason we're talking only about the latavius murray conundrum in as much as Jalen Richard's getting carries, when he gets healthy, Washington's going to get carries, or some other dummy, I can't remember his name. He's got a weird name that gets carries down around the goal line sometime. So in order to trust Latavius Murray... DeAndre he, he, Washington? No, there's another guy. There's a guy after Washington. This is my point. Okay. I'm not sure we saw him I, in the game on Sunday night. I, I'm blanking. It might be a fullback even. I don't know who he is. It doesn't matter. He's not relevant in the fantasy context. But they're a pass-first team, obviously not against Denver, but they're a pass-first team. You've got three really qualified running backs. You've got Latavius Murray, who, who's been a little bit nicked up. Then you look at these three touchdowns, and this is what I can't – why it makes Latavius Murray so hard to predict. I think we agree – if this 114, to me that's a counterfeit 114, but let's he's let's agree he's not going to average 100 the rest of the way out. He's a 40 to 60 yard a game runner. So he this becomes touchdown dependent. If you look at the touchdowns Latavius Murray scored all year. Now here's where the conundrum comes in because it keeps happening. At what point can you count on? But here's what happens. They drive the ball down the field. They throw to the back corner to Crabtree or to Amari Cooper, the pass interference flag comes out. I swear to God, the referees in that game, I don't know how much of that you, Rick, they gave them two flags because if there was a ball in the air, oh, they I were know. calling pass interference. You're you were, right. You are not tolerated to defend a pass in that game. They get the ball at the one. Here you go, Latavius. Plow it in on your second or third attempt. At the end of the game, boom, you look up, you have three touchdowns. I can't confirm this, but I am relatively confident that all three of his touchdowns came from the one-yard line following pass interference interference penalties if not all three certainly two of them did that's very possible but he's still got eight touchdowns on the on the year and they've all almost been in that circumstance and he had 20 carries in in that game they hit on something right they hit on something will will that happen next game so this is the conundrum with him i'm using it as an argument against him though the only way he scores is, is they get a pass interference penalty and he runs it in from the one but it's happened eight freaking times so i don't know if i can continue to discount it i don't know what to make of it well and as a fantasy player are you going to bench him i don't i'm not sure that you can no i mean save for the two games that he missed um, against San Diego and Kansas City. Now, he did have a real stinker against Baltimore when they won that game 28-27. And so did Le'Veon Bell just this well, week, so maybe exactly. maybe you can forgive that. 
but he's been double digits every week. He's, he's involved in the passing game. And like we said, he has eight touchdowns. You can't bench this guy. No, no. I no. mean, it's too much. Of, of course, he's on a bye this week. But it's, no, it's, you can bench. You heard it here. This yeah. week, I recommend sitting Latavius there Murray. You, you heard and Amari Cooper. You heard it from the asylum. For, and you know what? <laughs> Screw it. Based on this matchup, Crabtree, sit him down. And done. Carr. Forget them all. Right. Raiders are done I, this I week. I agree. God, we're good. <laughs> we are so good at this show. I-J-E. I tell you what, there's an honorable mention right there, I-J-E and Mark Ingram. But uh, Melvin Gordon, Latavius Murray. All right, Rick, we only got 10 minutes left in this segment. That's all right. We can we can carry this over the next. We're, we're still in good shape here. Stinky sock, Rick. Stinky sock's easy to me. You have the number one rushing defense going into this game. All you have to do is concentrate on stopping the run because the only other option they have is to have Ryan Tannehill beat you. And so, of course, Ajayi has 111 yards. <laughs> and Miami had their way with New York. And the Jets' defense gets my stinky sock. They, they, they gave up 274 total yards and 27 points. Yeah, that's that's amazing. <laughs> that's an amazing statistic. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a game ball or a stinky sock to, to the Jets' defense. I agree. It was going to be my, my – it was number one on my love list on the love-hate. So, so we'll just combine them here and do that. For the better part of three and a half quarters, or at least three full quarters, they had shut Jay Ajayi. Ajayi. They'd shut him down. And he started busting runs, and they ground it, ground it out. Grind is it grinded or ground? I'm not. I, I got tongue. However tied you it. want it. All right. So they ground it out, kept giving him the run. It looked like old school, and he wore him down, Rick. Right? He wore him down. What I'm saying is, forget about the Jets. I don't want to talk about that. What this means for your boy, Ajayi. He's that guy now, Rick. Oh, so no, doubt. Big two, no doubt. And no, everyone said, well, he's not going to get 200 again. But he's the man now who they're going to keep Ajayi. beating the rock. For three quarters, it wasn't working. They had enough sense to stick with it and not let that loser Tannehill beat them, right? 149 it's, yards passing, 274 total yards, and they gave up 27 well, yeah, points. Yeah, that's a whole thing. That there was some special the, team that's points That's the stinky there, sock. Well, yeah, I agree with that. And they what had I'm one is, sack on Tannehill. And one. That's my love. Ajayi. That's my love for him, though, is we've we got one of them old-school type of backs now. Oh, I yeah. I love it. As a fantasy guy wanting to see things swing back that way, we got it. So I love that. I agree. All right, let's go through here. My stinky sock. <laughs> I don't think this is on Den on on Des, but it's worth talking about. Des Bryant, one catch, nine yards, and a complete and utter boat race of your Cleveland Clownies up there at the mistake by the lake, Rick. Des Bryant, is this a Dak Prescott thing? Is this a health thing? What is it with Des Bryant? I don't know quite what to make of this. Now, to Des's credit, where I want to give him only like half a stinky suck, because I'm not sure, I don't know who deserves this, is he come out, he was questioned about, you know, when are you going to start getting mad and acting the fool, basically. And he said, hey, we're winning. I love winning. I love this kid. I love what Ezekiel's doing. You know, we're winning games. I'll take this. I, I, I'll i take wins over catches, which isn't something you'd normally hear from him. So from a guy like him, you tend to believe it because I don't think he'd hesitate to tell you the other way Well, either. not only that, Rick, he'll take wins over stats when Jason Witten is the recipient 
That's a fair of point, Of 134 too. yards and a touchdown. It wasn't Terrence Williams. No, it wasn't Terrence Williams getting the looks. It was Jason Williams. I mean, Witten. And if anybody deserves it, it's certainly Witten. If it's Terrence Williams next week and then Cole Beasley and then Terrence Williams again, Dez is going to get mad. You wonder. You think. Sure You, you would think that seems reasonable to me. But but less than that as we look at it, number one, is this something you expect to continue? Because we haven't seen a lot of Dak and Dez. But the Dak and Dez we've seen has been kind of similar to this. Is there a disconnect there? Obviously, there, there's no bad blood because I honestly believe Rick Dez would tell us. He's not the politician, right? He's not the one that generally stands up, feeds you the line of BS while there's something bubbling in the background. He, he's going to tell you. Generally, so I believe him when right. he when he says all this. I I believe it. I agree with you. It could change real quick, but for when he said it as of November 6, twenty sixteen, I believe him because he's not the guy. He's not going to go up there and blow smoke. It's just not who Des Bryant is. So is it a Des Bryant thing? Is he not healthy? Is something off there? Is is it Dax? So basically, the question is going to become going forward, assuming that as you and I do, I think at least maybe hoping more than assuming that Dak Prescott's the guy who leads this this team through the final final seven games of the season. Does this continue for Des Bryant? I just I don't know what to make of it. I, I can't, I'm having trouble wrapping. You know how many Des Bryant questions we're going to get on Sunday, and I want you to tell me how to answer them. Well, that's the thing. It's one thing to say, okay, Des Bryant had one catch for 19 yards. But Cole Beasley and Jason Witten had great games. Right. But he was only targeted four times. That's what's intriguing. You know, if it was one catch out of eight targets or nine okay. targets, something like that, okay, they something were happened. really blanking him. Yeah. They just didn't have good chemistry. He was targeted four times. This goes back to all the way back to training camp and preseason, in my mind. Dak Prescott wasn't working with Des Bryant. We talk about this a Tony lot. Tony Romo yeah. was. All right? And – you know, I have to believe he did a lot of work with Cole Beasley, and we see the chemistry between him and, and Beasley. Because coming into the season, it was Des Bryant and Terrence Williams going to have this breakout year. But Beasley just keeps getting her done. I right, mean, go right. back to Larry the Cable Guy. He's getting her done. <laughs> and a lot and, of Larry the Cable Guy. <laughs> yeah, he's getting a lot of run on this show tonight. <laughs> Let's have him call in. Yeah, really. I, he's an asylum, Mike. Oh, there's no question about it. <laughs> no doubt about that. So, yeah, I don't know. This I have this, grave concerns about Des this, Bryant the rest of the way. Well, this goes back to my points in our debate. If he starts making noise, of course, we already know Jerry Jones is a loose cannon and, and a power freak. That's a good point. He starts getting mad, things like that. We could see Tony Romo even if they're 9-1. and one. You know what? That's a scenario I hadn't considered where we could see Tony Romo without a losing streak or a drop-off right. from Dak Prescott. I, I, I don't know what to make. we got a break here. That's one you know we're going to have 15 Des Bryant questions on Sunday, and I don't know what to do with them. But well, that's it. We have got to break. We'll be back soon with uh, let, let's do the love, hate, and our takeaways. We'll combine them in three. We're going to play fact or fiction to wrap up the show at the bottom of the hour. You are listening to the Asylum Fantasy Sports Show exclusively on the Arena Sports Network. Hey, welcome back to the Asylum. We are Fligger and Briggs right here on the Arena Sports Network. Where do the Hebron Hawks? Michigan City Wolves and Indiana Northwest Red Hawks all call home, not only on Arena Sports Net, but Arena Sports Net Indiana. 
The best of the Hoosier State can be heard across the country. Live games and replays all available if you go to asnindiana.com beginning this Monday. And ASN Indiana is brought to you by Countryside Realty. Don't go unrepresentative in one of the biggest investments of your life. Check them out at 987cell.com. Countryside Realty. Yeehaw, check it out. High school playoffs are on the way. I believe uh, hero of last week, Mr. William Briggs, is back in action this weekend, right? Is this final? Where are we at here? This will be the district finals. District if, finals. If they uh, go to this, they play for the region and then on to state if they can do it. So we'll so, find so out. Saturday? Friday night, Saturday? It'll be Saturday at 7 o'clock All right. against the Meadville Bulldogs. There's a team that boat raced them last time. Know, Weather's yes. looking good. It's going to be cold, but no rain, no slop. And I think you said Sunday, that's what you need right. as, as your your boys' team as a passing team and ran into some bad weather in the, in the last Ooh. game. Boy, didn't they? Windy, cold, about 35 degrees, and just sheets of rain coming down. Just couldn't get the ball moving, you know, on the ground, obviously, and they couldn't do it through the air. The guys, the the balls were, you know, the timing was off. Oh, they were yeah. dropping balls. It's high school football. But, Absolutely. Uh, well, I, th- I think, like I said, they're calling for a cold night, but it, it's going to be clear. It's going to be dry all week uh, after today. I, we had some rain today, but I think after that it's going to be good to go. So let's go. What are the Eagles, right? Let's, Grove let's City go Eagles. Eagles. Let's get uh, yep. William Briggs another pick. Pick six this time is what I think we need to do. It's time to up the ante. That would be nice. Tell him to get the lead out. Huh? That's uh, Come on. Yeah, keep your feet under your boy. Yeah, Win, boy. Win, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. What a, what a stupid thing that entertains you. are going to push it again, aren't you? you go ahead. I, go I ahead. just might. I really enjoy it. We can it. stop it after the win. Win, boy. We can just stop it there if you want. Nah, oh, you want to play it out. Win, boy. All right, I'll take a break. Win. I need a drink. Are you going to get your act together? This, this is how you talk yeah. to your son. I've <laughs> seen it. I have seen it. Does everybody remember, and we're coming on that time of year, we don't have a lot of, I'm not a big holiday tradition type of guy, shocker, right? You know, I have nothing nothing sentimental for me. But the one thing we do in my house, it's just my wife and I, my daughter's not old enough yet. Hopefully in the next couple years we can get her involved. It's one of those things that just happened organically, is every year, as we get close to Christmas, it's after deer season. Generally, knock on wood, I've had some success. So I got a big, fresh batch of deer bologna, right? And, and the woman to whom I'm married, I'm related by marriage, she'll run out and buy like this spicy mustard and this sweet and sour sauce, and with the deer bologna, and she'll whip it all up. It's this del- disgusting, fattening thing that just takes tastes amazing, right? With the deer bologna, exactly. So we'll fry that up, and we watch National Lampoon. This is a long way to get to my point here, but I'm getting there. And we fry it all up, and we sit down, and we watch the National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation movie. Right. One of her favorite movies. And so every year we do this, a week or two before Christmas. But the scene that sticks out in my mind in that movie, and I've seen it happen in the Briggs household, where the boy's name was Russ, if I'm not mistaken. Right, exactly. And he was standing four inches behind him. And Chevy Chase is yelling, Russ, 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 I'm right here, Dad. Oh, I've seen Rick Briggs do that, only not with his back to him, with literally the boy, Mr. William Briggs, Esquire, the fourth, old old Billy, standing 18 inches away, looking him directly in his eye, and my octogenarian friend going, Billy, Billy. 
Billy, where's that boy at? Billy! <laughs> it makes me, I laugh now, not because it's funny, but because I think of you and what that poor kid's gone through for the last 17 years of his life. And look at him. Yeah, <laughs> now he's a football super. So I guess you got to be tough to survive the Briggs house. <laughs> there you go. There's no offensive lineman that's going to slow you down. All right, Rick, let's try to do a little fantasy football this day. We've been through the balls and socks. We're going to mix anything you want, Rick. I'm not going to play the sounder. We got love. We got hate. We got takeaways. Whatever you want to do, Rick, or you can just sit over there and huff at the computer, which well, is generally I mean, I what think, you do. No, I mean – one of the biggest takeaways, and we talked about this before we went on the air, I think you mentioned it briefly, but I think it's certainly the top takeaway I got from this week. Tell you what, I, I like Oakland Raiders. I, I think yeah. that the defense still has a few holes in it, but that offense seems to compensate for, shall I say, what they lack. But, I mean, they seem to step it up when they need to as well. And I, the Oakland Raiders, they're going to be a serious contender. I don't think they're quite ready to, to waltz into New England and, no, and no. take the crown from, from the Patriots and so forth. But I'll tell you what, I think they're a playoff team. And, they're, and when you have an offense with that much talent on it, they're dangerous. Oh, absolutely. And look what they've done on the road. We, we talk so often about these West Coast teams going all the way east. And struggling, yeah. You know, Arizona, how bad they are! Just they not only do they lose, they get boat raced when they go east. You've seen San Diego struggle, not Oakland. Uh, if, if, correct me if I'm wrong. They're undefeated on the road this year, aren't they? Five and zero. Oh, yeah. So, and most of those games have been played, you know, around the I ninety five corridor. This is a t- now again New England. It, it's such they, a sticky. But with that offense, they can play with absolutely anybody. Yeah, and then we brought it up. I mean, their their road record isn't against New England, Pittsburgh, no, no. Dallas. No, they're and playing so a last place schedule. Right. Exactly. They're they're playing New Orleans. They're playing Tennessee. They played Baltimore. They played Jacksonville. They played Tampa. But they've won them all. Right. I don't care. It's hard to win on the road in this league. It, sure. I don't is. care who you're playing, unless it's Cleveland. It is tough to win on the road in this league. And they just keep doing So, more you look longer view, I don't honestly think there are any threat to go into Gillette and win a playoff game. But this is an emerging superpower, right? If not, you've got everything you need on offense. Road graders on offense. Crabtree right in the prime of his career. Amari Cooper, one of the great great wide receivers in this game. One of the great quarterbacks. Probably once we get rid of Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger and that class goes out, a guy who's going to be in the top three of the class that's right. behind them, right? Now you start filling in the pieces on defense where all of a sudden Oakland has been able to draft and make the right personnel move. This is an emerging power in the AFC. Oh, no doubt about it. Look, they're fifth overall offensively. They're fourth they're fourth in rushing and they're fifth in passing. And when you have a nice balanced attack like that, top five, both categories, that is a wicked offense. Defensively, they're struggling. They're 27th in the league. They're 21st against the rush and they're 28th against the pass. But like you said, they have success this year. Number one, They've already taken steps where you and I thought Jacksonville was going to be taking yeah, the last couple of years. Yeah, they're doing what Jacksonville They can't to be. beat anybody. Right. But anyway, Oakland can. What that does is, is steals confidence. You have, a, you have a nice coach with Jack Del Rio. He's going to get some defensive players in there in the next year or two. I tell you what, I, I agree 100%. We're not going to be talking about Denver. No. In Kansas City as much. 
we're going to be well, we may be, but we're going to be throwing Oakland yeah. in that conversation is, every year uh, for a while. Is, and and you factor into your point, Rick, a team that yeah you know, we talk about. There's no chance they go into Foxborough. Th- this team could make a little bit of a run in the playoffs for this reason. And you mentioned it. You got a high-powered offense. They can strike from anywhere. You got a quarterback that has no fear. That's number right. two. And number three, you got a coach that's freaking nuts. He isn't afraid. We, we all forget it's been so long. Remember what he did and how they got the first win of the year in oh, week yeah. one? He, he's not afraid to take chances, and he will have that team prepared. And it, there, this is a t- an emerging power in that AFC West. And, and I'm talking, this this comment is right to you, Jacksonville. Jack Del Rio doesn't look so bad <laughs> now, does it? <laughs> they couldn't get him out of town fast enough. Exactly. And right. He was always a seven and nine sort yeah. of guy in Jacksonville. Give Look him at the, him now. Give him the horses. See what he can do. Right. That's what it all comes down to. Give him the horses. All right. I got. You can call this love uh, a love a takeaway wherever you want to categorize it, Rick. But my antenna shot up on this one when I saw Chris Ivory finally look healthy top 100 yards and he didn't do it against cleveland brother he did it against the kansas city chiefs defense in arrowhead that that stunk the antenna went straight up on that one what do you take away from that i mean okay you'd love it but what is the takeaway from it? they lost right okay 1914 kansas city bent to the rush not letting the big play of Allen robinson or hearns of course he went out with a concussion you know or yeah, the Robinson and them hurt them. So what do you think this is going to be translate into something? Okay, Ivory's now starting on my fantasy team. You think yes. they're going to start running the football all the time now? My takeaway is number one: T.J. Yeldon is now where he belongs. He's going to be the third down passing down back. They have, when they brought in Chris Ivory, I think it was with the intention of implementing a classic style run game, a a normal rush attack to create. I think here's what happens in the short term, because I agree, you're right. What they did was said, all right, we're going to step back. Blake Bortles is going to make a bunch of mistakes, right? We're going to get to him. We're going to sack him. He's going to throw interceptions. He's going to do stupid stuff. So that's what we're going to do. Teams are going to do this for the next couple weeks. We're in the home stretch to your fantasy playoffs. As teams do this, Chris Ivory, we still don't know what was wrong with him. He finally looked 100% fully healthy. He was 100% fully engaged in the game. And it looks like they have now finally said, all right, well, maybe we're going to have to hand this ball off every now and again instead of just having T.J. Yeldon plunge into the pile once every eight carries to have some semblance of a run game. I think Chris Ivory is emerging as a low-end fantasy option. I'm starting him this week, Rick. I picked him up off of waivers, and I plugged him right in my lineup yeah and that says something right there you picked him up off the waiver wire. right he was and, dead and gone right you know i'm going to tend to agree with you i think it helps ivory and yeldon okay number one yeldon isn't an rb1 no, or an no. rb2 he's a flex right okay and but he's now in his element where he becomes more effective. Absolutely. He's not the guy to carry the rock 20, 25 times and get beat up, and then you expect him to be out in space right. and produce. Ivory is that guy to, to take the carries, but he's not your pass-catching guy. No. Yeldon is. And, yeah, I mean, and let's face it. I mean, they're the 17th overall offense in the league, and I dare say that probably 80% of – 
their stats are garbage time. They've been yeah, getting blowed out. They're, they're all coming year. in the last eight minutes of the fourth quarter every single week. Exactly. They put up these massive numbers. And and I agree with you. I, I think that look, Jacksonville's defense isn't that bad. And this is this is a real knock. Okay, this is going to be a takeaway and a hate. Their defense is eleventh overall in the league. That's not that bad. No, that's but they are usually even with the eleventh ranked defense in the league. Blake Bortles doesn't do anything till the fourth quarter, yeah, he, which means they're already out of the game. Well, remember, he sobers up at halftime, from what we've heard. <laughs> yeah, sweats it out. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. IV yeah. at halftime. Now yeah. he's ready to rock and roll. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting that if you'd have told me at the beginning of the year, told me nothing else, oh. and told me Jacksonville had at this point of the year the eleventh ranked defense in the NFL, I'd have told you they were seven and two or six and three at this point of the year. Yeah, with that offense. With that, exactly. what I expected that offense to be. Exactly. So I, I, I think know. it's and, and, and let's face it, look, look, we talked about I sent that tweet out about if you listen to the asylum, you wouldn't be as surprised with Melvin Gordon, et cetera, et cetera. I tell you what, we were wrong about Jacksonville offense. Yeah, yeah, we got that one wrong. We might have missed that. I one. mean we weren't the only yeah, crash and burn. I tell well, you. That's what it did to all my seasons. Is I loaded up on Allen Robinson in the first round of every single draft I did. All right, and it's turned my entire fantasy season into a dumpster fire. Quite frankly, well, yeah, and I stand behind the pick. I, I didn't see this coming. Nobody saw this coming. I don't think somebody probably did, but most folks didn't. Anyhow, but but to get back to Chris Ivory real quick, and we'll move on. I think, look, he's not going to come out and start getting 25 carries a game, I don't think. But I think they, they established a little bit of Chris Ivory. He looked like Chris Ivory. And I think he becomes it, – it's so hard to find a running back in fantasy football this season. I think he becomes a viable option each and every week. I, I agree 100%. I, I, I'm right there with you. I think he's, he's that – I don't know how to put it. He's not this spectacular back. Like, I mean, you're not going to get these kind of super numbers out of him, but I think he's going to be good enough to get you the 85, 90 yards a game. No. You don't think? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you said he wasn't going to be the no. guy to get you No, that. I think he will. I yeah. think, you know, are you going to get 117, 120 yards out of him every week? No, because – for some reason, Jacksonville offense just isn't clicking unless all of a sudden they really get now, going. What would but, scare but he me is they could get away from yards. Right. He got all these yards. They lost 19-14 to Kansas City. Their defense didn't let them get blowed out. Right. <laughs> blowed out. Blowed out. Yeah. See, I there got you. Go. I got you. You got me. But Blake Bortles is so bad through three quarters <laughs> that – yeah, they don't have much anything else. Yeah, maybe at a minimum for the first half of every game while Bortles is sobering up, they'll hand the ball <laughs> off 12 or 14 times to Ivory. He comes out at half, comes into halftime at 60 yards or so. You're feeling pretty good as a fantasy owner. What I worry about is going to be his touchdown totals. They seem to like, oddly enough, that when they get inside the goal line to either run that fade to – to Allen Robinson three times unsuccessfully, or you see T.J. Yeldon on the field a lot in those situations, and that makes me nervous. But I think the yardage is going to – and look, at this point, I, I tell you what, it's a weird, a strange season. When I'm looking, at least at my number two running back, it, it's though 
number two running backs and tight ends are the two positions on my roster anymore where if I feel like if I can walk away with 10 points out of each of those two positions, I'm going to be all right. That, that's yeah. how hard it is to find running backs in, in the league this year. Right. I agree. All right, Rick. Well, whatever you want here. We'll just keep rolling. I'll take another takeaway. Sam Bradford, Sam Bradford. Yeah, he, he came That's three in a row there. for Minnesota. They're three in a row. They're five and three. Now, they're, hey, they're still leading that division, and it's still probably theirs to, to win or lose, however you want to look at it. But I'll tell you what, he's got to pick it up. He has got to make, that, make defenses fear him. Look, there's is this no, on Sam Bradford that offensive line? Though? He is staring at the stadium lights an awful lot lately. And and look, they had two starters go down. You know, one all go down. I understand that. I understand. I don't that. know. It's easy to put it on Bradford. But they went and, down before. You're right. You're right. Okay. I I think Sam Bradford's starting to look. They don't have the. The defense isn't focused on Adrian Peterson, obviously. It's McKinnon and Asiata. He's got to find the check down guys. Look, Kyle Rudolph had one catch for one yard last week. Yeah. I mean, you. It was get, for a touchdown. Anyhow. It was for a touchdown and <laughs> saved like the fantasy day. But you've got to use these check down guys. You've got to use. Kyle Rudolph for a five-yard gain instead of throwing it away or getting sacked or whatever the case may be. Asiata's a good catching guy. Use him when you can if you have to. You know, you have Stephon Diggs. Cordell Patterson's back. You know, Thielen's yeah, actually been Cordell acquitting Patterson? himself. Hey, he did drop that. It was a tough catch. Don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm really faulting him. They actually had a great opportunity in the back of the end zone. Yeah. He was up, it was in his hands, had his feet in, but he dropped it. But well, he's going to do that. But I mean, right. he, he had nothing for two seasons. Remember, two exactly. seasons ago, I, I got in a big fervor over Cordero Patterson, drafted him in the fourth or fifth round or something, and he he went on a two two year hiatus. Yeah, exactly. Well, when you like somebody, they're done. Look at Allen Robinson. Well, that's true. So, I'm the Rick but, Leaguer kiss of death. But. Bradford's going to have to start utilizing. We just named. I won't even count Asiata as a real weapon, but we named four weapons with Rudolph, Patterson, Thielen, Diggs. They've got to start scoring some points. He's got to start asserting himself. And yeah, or it's just going to be a long season. Look, he if he gets into a. Um, this is a conundrum that I've been looking at in my fantasy team right now. I actually have Blake Bortles and Kirk Cousins on my fantasy team. I'm tempted to start Kirk Cousins because if this turns into a shootout, Kirk Cousins, I don't care if he's against that Minnesota defense or not, he's going to beat it against Sam Bradford as it stands right now. Yeah, that's an interesting one because where you obviously shy away is the fact that Kirk Cousins really, really enjoys throwing interceptions. It's like one of his top four things he likes to do in this world. <clears throat> and the Minnesota Vikings, they're pretty good at intercepting the ball, to keep it very simple, right? So that makes you nervous. But here's what I do know. you know, They don't even know Robert Kelly, you know, Matt Jones, Chris Dunn. There's no running game to speak of in Washington. They're going to be in that game because even against a bad Washington defense, that Vikings offense isn't good enough to, to go in there and boat race them, right? So we're going to be in the game. 
which means Kirk Cousins, in the way they play offense, is going to use Jordan Reed. He's going to take his shots to Deshaun Jackson. Point being, he's going to throw the ball 40 to 50 times in that game. They're good enough. He's going to complete 60% of them, right? He's going to have a couple picks, but he could very well still come out of that thing with 300 yards and two touchdowns, right? If they can get it down inside to 20 where Jordan Reed becomes uncoverable, even by that Vikings defense, it's hard to sit him down. And this Viking defense, is it starting to wear down? Look, they've, start lost, to wonder. they've lost three games in a row. You know, Kirk Cousins, yeah, he, he'll throw a few picks here and there, but he also throws touchdowns. And, I mean, he's throwing, what, seven picks for the year? Two, four, yeah. He's throwing seven picks on he's the year. He's averaging a pick a game. Yeah, but he had three of them in the first two right. games against Pittsburgh and Dallas. So, I mean... Since the Dallas game, he has four picks, but he has what, five, seven, nine, eleven touchdowns, right. eleven to four. Yeah, it's so hard. I, to, it's hard to sit him down. It is, and, and I mean, I've been wrestling with this because you have Kirk Cousins going against a Minnesota defense, but Kirk Cousins has been producing versus the garbage time king. You know, yeah. Blake Bortles, yeah. who is throwing up astronomical numbers in every fourth quarter he plays. Yeah, and what happens if they don't get 30 points behind in that game? That's your concern with the Blake Bortles. Exactly. And then you see the type of numbers he put up in that Chicago game, right? That they, I, they believe they actually ended up winning, but they, it stayed close. There was no garbage time, and they eked one out, and his numbers were terrible. Right. <clears throat> to your point on that Minnesota defense, and I had that jotted down here, so so maybe that'll be mine. I'll just – I'm going to piggyback on yours twice. I'm going to do that. Number one, I'll throw this out there. I don't think it requires a lot of discussion. I don't think you're going to disagree at all. Stephon Diggs is healthy. He is back, and that kid's going to be a stud the rest of the way. Quit asking me Stephon Diggs questions in the mailbag on Sunday, right? Stephon Diggs oh, yeah, is a right. real deal. And sort of who he reminds me, he reminds me of we talked about now. Now, the numbers were low last week, surprisingly to me, a guy we recommended a lot, and Devontae Adams. But he reminds me of Devontae Adams there in Green Bay, whereas with that bad offensive line, with Jarek McKinnon, yeah, I was wrong on that one, he stinks. Matt Asiata, though, too, stinks. No running game to speak of. Stephon Diggs is the running game, right? 13 catches last week. I think that could be pretty 8 to 12 to 13 catches a week. Going to be pretty consistent for Diggs. The yardage won't necessarily be there, but that's going to be the running game for the Minnesota Vikings the rest of the way out, so he's a stud. But let's leave it at that. Let's go back to the defense, and we always want to avoid Minnesota. Well, let's not leave. Okay, okay we'll, go ahead. We'll leave the offense there, but they're 32nd in the NFL. Oh, it's The Minnesota offense. They're 31st in rushing, 27th in passing. It goes back to my point about Sam Bradford. He's got to pick this up right. a little bit. You get the third-ranked defense in the in the NFL, and how much longer? If you have the thirty-second-ranked offense in the league, what does that mean for your defense? It means they're on the, field, on the field a lot. A lot. And that was my next point. I'm going to draw, and probably only our our local listeners, our Steeler fan listeners are, are going to think this makes any sense, Rick. But I think you, you will. That, this Vikings team and that Viking defense specifically really puts me, reminds me of those Bill Cower late 90s Steeler teams with Cordell Stewart. And name the loser quarterback, Mike Tom, whoever it was over the years. 
where the offense was bad. They were run dependent. If Adrian Peterson was there, this would still be true. Right. The offense was bad. You couldn't trust him. They turned the ball over. The defense was this, you know, immovable object, right? You talk about the unstoppable force. And as the season went on, this started to catch up with that Steelers team. And and there'd be a couple of games sprinkled throughout where they just get boat racing. They got late in the season and they got in the playoffs and they couldn't score. And all of a sudden, the defense became vulnerable. They were still really, really good and really, really dangerous, but they got vulnerable because they were on the field 40 minutes ago game because teams could afford to take chances because you knew that offense wasn't going to turn around and make you pay for it if you made a mistake. That's what I'm seeing with this Minnesota defense that's looked, I don't want to say bad the last couple of weeks, but it it looks like you could have them a little bit. Not a lot, but a little bit. It's interesting. They were 5-0 before their break. They had their bye in week six. They were were 5-0. Now, you can check me. I can't even remember what week Adrian Peterson got injured. It was one or two, I believe. Yeah, it was real I, early on. I think so. No, two or three. It but they scored. Hard. But they won twenty-five to sixteen against Tennessee. They won seventeen fourteen Green Bay. They won twenty-two ten at Carolina. Twenty-four ten against the Giants. Thirty-one twelve against Houston. They're giving up right, right around 10, 11, 12 points a game. All right. Now they turn around. They come back after the bye. Philadelphia, 21-9. They lose. Mm -hmm. They score nine points. Chicago, they lose 20-9. There's two games. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Yeah. Sounds like my predictions. Then they lose 22-16. And how in the world they lost that game, I'll still never know, where they scored with – what, under a minute to go against Detroit? Oh, <laughs> and, and they and let they, them turn around and march right back down. And, and they turn around and let it go to overtime, and, of course, they lost that game. I agree. I mean, they're at Washington, then they play Arizona, then they're at Detroit again, then they play Dallas. It doesn't get any easier for Minnesota. No, no, certainly not. And if this defense is wearing down against the likes of Chicago and Detroit, what's going to happen when they start playing Arizona and Dallas and and then they're going to have to play Green Bay again. Indianapolis is on their schedule. Right, another tough offense. So I mean, yeah. yeah and this isn't a team. This isn't a defense. Look on the margins. I'm going to shy away from them. You know, in my flex spot, in my number two running back, my number three wide receiver. I'm going to shy away a little bit. But this isn't. We're to the point where my top end talent. I, I'm. I might roll the bones a little bit, Rick. I, I really will. I think no fault of that defense, but everything you talk about, it just reminds me of those Bill Cowher Steeler teams. I've seen this too many times. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. So uh, we'll get to um, another love hate or takeaway. I guess we only have what a couple minutes left to go. Something yeah, you like got about that. a minute and a half. So make it quick, pal. Oh, jeez. See, you always put that on me. Right, you know? I'll, I'll you only it. got 30 seconds, so by golly, make your point quick. That's right. Well, you can't do it. You want me to throw one out real quick? I don't know. I mean, one of my takeaways, we've already discussed it, was, was the coaching staff of Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. So they, go ahead. You, I'll let, In fact, I think I took the Minnesota one anyway, so you, you go ahead. That's all right. You know what? We'll leave it at that. We'll break a little early, leave ourselves plenty of time. We come back. Rick, the fans have been begging for it. They want to hear it again. It has swept the nation. Oh, Factor Fiction, We will baby. be back with another rousing edition of Factor Fiction. i <laughs> Exclusively on <laughs> the Arena Sports Network.
Welcome back to the Asylum. We are Fligger and Briggs right here on the Arena Sports Network. Hey, don't forget to not only start your Friday, but start every weekday with the snowman. Snowman in the morning is back, better and more real than ever. Check out the snowman and his extravaganza beginning at 8 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on what another? iTunes, baby. iTunes, an extravaganza. We should do an extravaganza. We used to do extravaganza. We had one one time. What was the extra? I can't remember. We went over. We went over time and decided. Oh, we just called it an extravaganza. (laughs) That sounds like something we we put in eight minutes of extra work and declared it an extravaganza. Well, it was. It was extravaganza. It was great. We suck. We just suck in every way. No, I don't know. I mean, it was an extravaganza of of epic proportions. I must say. (laughs) Wait, way to sell it, Rick. I like it. But speaking of it. Proportions. Speaking of extravaganza, Rick, you know what time it is. Oh. It is time. Oh, I hit the wrong button. Oh, no. Here it is. Here it is. Back or fiction. We need to get Cletus in here and start doing video. Absolutely. Because if you'd see the rig. That's plenty loud. Yeah. I, I, I had to turn it off because I'm not in the. <laughs> control room no ability to fade it it's a whole thing when when cletus goes on his hunting trips so i know and the thing is he just got hired yeah he's when boy when are you coming back <laughs> that's hope next well there's a rumor see and this is how it did. he played it right yeah this is so typical of a new employee right he, he gave me the hard sell of how dedicated he was before he dropped the hammer on me right so here, let, let's picture the, the the way things to give you a visual of the way things work here in the in the asylum studios here in Studio B. So I did when we brought Cletus on. I went to all the effort, Rick, a Herculean effort. Of oh, I had, it was too. I had everything crammed in here in the studio where I ran the board. You know, I recorded. I did, we did everything here. We had it all in the studio. Cletus came on board. I built us a control room. I, I did with my bare hands, Rick, my calloused hands. Actually, they're kind of soft like a woman's hand, so I have this yeah, office job. Like a little baby right, behind. Exactly. But I did. I, I It took me about a month longer than I told the guys it would, but I got it done. Built us, built us a control room. So, so Cletus operates in there. So he does that. We do the show. We're getting him more and more involved in the show. I think he's doing a great job. I like having him here, basically, because he buys beer. That's why Rick likes him. Rick is a pretty good alcoholic. He's my favorite and, guy. Yeah, and, and he serves Rick. It's the weirdest thing. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, Rick it's hasn't awesome. stood up. This is the first time Rick has had to stand up during a show to get more alcohol It's since Cletus has been on the show. It's, Quite frankly, uh, uh, Clyde's really starting to irritate Yeah, that's that's why, why Rick's so grumpy tonight, because he's had to stand about 14 times to go get more alcohol so <laughs> when boy when are you coming back <laughs> so the show ends all right well when the show ends the work begins i know that cletus now knows that rick briggs his shirt doesn't touch his back for when we start when i say when he says take care his shirt doesn't touch his back and he is home before i hit stop on the recording that's how fast he gets out of here so I tell you all that to get to how it ended. So I'm Cletus. And the reason I do that because Rick starts to yell at me and it hurts my feelings. Yeah, that, that's it. 
bolts out the door. He, <laughs> he see, hurts my feelings. He's 87 years old. I've seen him struggle to walk across the room. Yet I have a high school kid. But, What's that say for my right. virility, huh? But he can get up the stairs out of this studio <laughs> skipping four at a time is how fast he gets out of here. So Cletus is sticking around after the show last week, as he does, to help me do the, fine, beer. do the final work to deliver this fine product to the Arena Sports mm-hmm. Network and, yeah, and to yeah, AsylumFantasySports.com. Yeah. And Cletus says, you know what? You know, uh, from now, starting now, I'm gonna, if you guys want me, I can be here on Sundays. Great. Yeah. Come on in. By we, the way, I'm not going to be here for two days. We go live at 10 o'clock. You know, Rick usually gets here about 930. So so come on in. You can just sit in this week and I'll show you how that'll be a great help. You can operate phone lines for us. That'll be great. And read the mailbag. You know, we'll, we'll get you involved this week. He says, all right. Well, wait. I can't do it this Sunday. And oh, yeah, by the way, I meant to tell you, I can't be here Wednesday either. Going on my hunting trip, well, what am I supposed to say? I called HR. They said I wasn't allowed to push them or trip them or anything, so I had to give them the time off. What else can you do? No. I mean, you can't discriminate against hunting. No, no. That, that's the one thing you tell us that will get you the time off. Right. As someone who I declare to, there, there's one non-negotiable day in my, in my work calendar, Rick. And that is the first day of rifle season here in Pennsylvania, which if you're not from Pennsylvania, is a holiday basically in Pennsylvania. Schools are closed all across the state. People, you talk to anybody from any other state, it completely blows their mind. I've worked on Thanksgiving, never complained. I've worked on Christmas, never complained. New Year's, you name it, I've worked it. First day of hunting season is my one non-negotiable day, and I make it clear to anybody who's unfortunate enough to employ me over the last 30 years of my life. So what am I going to say to Cleet? No, skip it and be here? I probably should have because this show's been a disaster. Well, it's just it's just so much more work than what we're oh, used I'm to. I'm running back and forth to the control. I'm exhausted. No, look at me. I mean, I've got to. You've had to stand up and get your own beer. I feel bad for it. Yeah, what? Eight times now. I mean, it's <laughs> at ridiculous. Least at, a, at a minimum. It's terrible. I don't know how you get up those stairs so fast when you're drunk as you are at the end of all these shows. Ajayi. It's not his fault. <laughs> no, I mean, that's. I think of Ajayi, so there I go. All right, Rick. Well, it seems to me about 20 minutes ago I played the intro music for Fact or Fiction, so we'll just jump right in. Oh, yeah, right that's right. It. We were that's, doing that, yeah. All right, Rick. Fact or Fiction, we will start with this. It is time to start, or time to stash, not start, Thomas rolls yeah you better stash them i mean no doubt about that i mean look the what they call that with christine michael the awakening yeah i think it went dormant again yeah, yeah, he done I fell mean, back asleep yeah he's sleeping again i mean he, he saved your fantasy game last week with a touchdown but i think he had i don't i don't even have the stats in front of me but like about what one three, yard rick was it one yard one i was yard. thinking three yards okay no, no. one yard one yard but a touchdown. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of like Kyle Rudolph. He saved it with that one yard there. If Thomas Rawls comes back, and he, they're going to start using him. Because Christine Michael he ain't beast mode, okay? No, no. And Rawls isn't either. But I'll tell you what, with what Michael's been doing the last few weeks, you know, I, I think that uh, Thomas Rawls is definitely needs to be on your roster. Yeah, I agree 100% because he's expected to come back in week 11. He's going to be given every opportunity because Kristen Michael has failed. It, it's just that simple. You, you, I look at go back through the numbers. He hasn't been what we expected. He actually uh, performed better 
when Rawls was, I, I do air quotes, healthy, because I'm not sure he was ever healthy. But if he's fully healthy and if he's back, well, when he's going to he get hurt. Week one or two, it was real, real early. Yeah, on. I mean, so I mean, he's well. Had... He missed games with the ankle. He played a game or two, right? And then he he broke that bone. And he's I been mean, out Michael's had a modicum of success, but he's only had one hundred yard game. That was against San Francisco. Yes, okay, and as Mark Ingram proved, that's nothing to write home about. Exactly. You know, fifty eight against the Jets, sixty four against Atlanta, fifty two against Arizona, forty against New Orleans. And one against Buffalo. One. Now you're playing at New England. You're going to play Philadelphia. Then you're playing, you know, then it's Tampa, which is a little more generous. But Carolina, Green Bay, Los Angeles, Arizona, it's it's not easy sledding for Seattle. So I'm not saying Thomas Rawls is going to come in and be sort of what we expected him to be last season, you know, coming in young. And what he did is he stored it. I don't want to say supplanted Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch was banged up. But there was a stretch of games last season, Rick, where Thomas Rawls looked like he was going to be the next big deal in terms of running back right. in this league, and, and his health didn't allow him to do it. But he's going to get opportunities, and he's going to get more opportunities than Kristen Michael because he hasn't taken advantage of the opportunities that he's had in the absence of Thomas Rawls. No. I mean, the only thing uh, Michael has done is actually score touchdowns. He's got seven touchdowns on on the year, but he's got 447 yards, and – Seattle needs to have that running game, right. especially when Russell Wilson's been a little bit banged up. And of course, you had the Seattle connection last week. You know, they do this in the second half of the year. I'm paying attention, Rick. I'm oh, paying yeah, attention. No doubt about that. And but they also need to rely on oh. a freaking beast mode. Oh yeah. Marshawn sure. Lynch was the difference on yeah, those I'm teams. I'm not in sure the past. Michael's that guy. No, no, he's not. I'm not sure Rawls is, but well, I, I'd either, go ahead and put him on the end of that bench and, and be ready for it because he's going to get the chance. I agree. All right, Rick, I'm going to hop around here because we wasted 10 minutes off the top again. This one, we've kind of danced around the entire show, but I, I think it, it's time to ask it straight up. Fact or fiction, my friend? There is an AFC team not located in Boston that has a legitimate chance of playing in the Super Bowl. Sorry there, the button didn't seem to work. I think there still is. Um, I think the odds-on favorite, obviously, is the New England Patriots. But we mentioned it earlier in the shows. Pittsburgh still is talented enough. Mm-hmm. If they can get on a roll and actually stay prepared and st- have some chemistry together you know, for a stretch, they're talented enough. Other than that, I'm really grasping trying to find somebody. Kansas City, maybe, but I don't think they have the offensive firepower to stick with either one of these teams. Other than that, that's it in my mind. Yeah, so I'm I'm tempted to call this a fiction because the Steelers, in my mind, I agree with you, are the only team that could go up there and win because they could just go up – that team, if they get it humming, could put up 40 on anybody, even Bill Belichick, which gives you a chance to win. But I think the likelihood of that happening is so low. This is a team that could also not make the playoffs. You're one or two more exactly. of what we saw last week or one or two more games. One of those that Ben, ben Roethlisberger stinkers. Or yeah. one or two games that he misses of not making the playoffs because all the wild card spots are going to the AFC West. You've got to win this division. 
and they play this division down the stretch. If Ben Roethlisberger misses time, which is always a big, but let's say perfect world Steelers are in, that's the only team that could beat them. Yeah, again, we talked about Oakland's not there yet. I don't see any chance Oakland goes in there and wins an AFC championship right. game. I, in years to come, yes, not now. Denver has no offense. Kansas City, at their, at their defensive best, let's think about this. At their defensive best, they're going to give up 24 to Tom Brady, right? It doesn't matter who the defense is. Tom Brady's going to put up 24. Can Alex Smith go on the road and put up 25? against Bill Belichick or anybody, quite frankly, I don't see it happening. So I'm I'm tempted to call this a – there's always a chance, but I'm tempted in reality to call this a fiction that there's really no team. But the Steelers, if they get in, the Steelers have a chance to run through just well, on what they do offensively. I agree. I mean, you know, that's why they play the game. I mean, obviously they're the odds-on favorite, but, you know, you st- – if there is anybody, those are the only two teams. All right, I'll ask you a question right, here me... since uh, you've been asking me right. questions, so I'll just throw one at you. Um, this is um, something that you're kind of you, – you've been high on ever since the preseason. Tyler Eifert's, Tyler Eifert's Week 8 performance was a sign of things to come. I buy all in on Tyler Eifert. Now, I grant you the point you made early on in the year, when, when in, a, in the offseason, and I was screaming this from the rooftops, that last year it was all based on touchdowns, which quite frankly was good enough for me, but that the yardage wasn't there, which didn't put him in that elite category. Right now, they have no running game to speak of. Unless they play a really bad – unless you play the Washington Redskins or the Cleveland Browns, they have no running game to speak of. you got A.J. Green, who's been the best wide receiver in this league, not named Julio Jones, and I might put him a half a tick ahead of Julio Jones even at this point of the season. And then what? How's Brandon LaFell working out for you? My boy, Tyler Boyd, where's he been? That's it. There, there's, it's A.J. Green. That's all they have. You add one more element, and you see you saw what he did, albeit against Washington. But in that first game back, he is going to become the second option, the second weapon in an offense that can't run the ball, likes to throw it, a quarterback that trusts him. I think Tyler Eifert, if he can stay on the field now, that's a big – you did come back, took a long time to come back from that ankle. Now you're dealing with back issues. This could be an issue the rest of the way. If he plays on the field, he's the second option in an offense that can still move the ball. I think he makes the Bengals more dangerous, and I think he keeps rolling as long as he's playing. All right. I agree. There's nothing else really much to add to that. All right, Rick. Here we go. Uh, Let's skip around. I want to hit the good. I like this one, Rick, because I think the numbers may surprise you. Fact or fiction, Marcus Mariota is an every week must start at this point of your fantasy season. Marcus Mariota. I'm going to say fiction because, number one, um, I, I don't think that you drafted Marcus Mariota for your number one quarterback. That being said, okay, now you know you're going to have to take at least probably eight quarterback or eight teams 
out of this realm, okay, because you're Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Tom Brady. I'm just I'm just trying to pull quarterbacks off the top. Matt Ryan, Andrew Luck. Okay, you're not going to start him over these guys. Phil Rivers even, Derek Carr. He's He's gotten into, he's a QB1. I think he's still low end. So I'm not going to say that he is a must start, but obviously he's a QB1. I understand the question. Mm-hmm. I think the question more accurately would be, is he a, quarter, a QB1? I say, yeah, that would be um, fact. But considering that you probably, you may have had, you may have been in a draft where you um, drafted a Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota. Well, you, you got Mariota off the waiver wire because he was so bad the first two or three games of the season. He got cut. I've I've picked that's up and point. dropped him eight times this season. Yeah, well, I mean, that's my point. But here's what I have to tell you, Rick. And, and I, I take your point that, you know, am I going to sit down Aaron Rodgers? Am I going to sit down Andrew Luck? Probably not. But just something to consider. This question was created to put this fact out there. In the last five weeks, so that's a pretty significant sample size. What have we played, eight or nine games, right. depending on, I don't know if Tennessee's had their bye week yet. In the no, last, they haven't in week 13, believe wow, it or not. I boy. mean, that's ridiculous. That's, I mean, it starts in week three and goes to, like, week 13. Just I mean, do it, them in week eight and nine. Oh, it's horrifying. That's ridiculous. So in the last five weeks, do you know how many fantasy points he's averaged in those last five games? Right, right around 25, yeah. 25. That is huge. I'm not sure there's a lot of quarterbacks averaging that in that period of time. You're probably right. Now, I agree, and, and that's where the, the question may be flawed. I'll agree with you on that one That because it would imply you're going to start him over you know, some of these big-name guys, and I'm not sure you can trust that. But I'll tell you what, there's a lot of guys that, that might be on your list that would be every week starts. At this point, I'd have to put Marcus Mariota over. I, I really might. Yeah, and considering Tennessee, the schedule they're playing, I mean, they've got Green Bay in Week 10, but then they have the Colts. You can certainly move the ball in the Colts. Yep. They've been moving the ball in Green Bay, actually. You, you play Chicago, which – Chicago's a Jekyll and Hyde team. You really don't know what you're going to get with them. <laughs> no, they seem to play a little bit of defense for three quarters. Exactly. Anyway. Then you have Denver at Kansas City at Jacksonville. He doesn't have a great road ahead of them. You know, after, after their bye week 13, Denver at Arrowhead and then at Jacksonville. So it gets a little squirrely there right in your fantasy playoff. Exactly. So, but, you know, right now, yeah, I mean, he's certainly a hot hand. I'll tell you what, if I'm sitting a game under 500 and two games out of my playoffs, which a lot of people are doing right now, and I'm starting Matt Stafford every week or maybe even Andrew Luck, quite frankly, I'm starting some of these guys every week, and I'm looking for that shoot for the moon, all shoving all in, trying to make the playoffs. This is a move I would make. This would be a desperation move I would make if I could make it, quite I frankly. I agree. I mean, you look at um, Andrew Luck. They won nice victory, 31-26 over Green Bay last week. He had 200, ugh, 281 yards passing, only one touchdown, two picks, you know, Andrew Luck's been kind of uh, – he's been steady most of the year, but that was kind of a stinker that he threw in he's there. He's been a whole lot of pretty good, I think is how I'd describe Andrew Luck this season. Well, I mean – And it isn't on him. 
necessarily, but he's been a whole lot of pretty good. And and he's still a very, you know, what, he's fourth overall in fantasy scoring with quarterbacks behind only Rodgers, Breeze, and Ryan. So, yeah, he's been pretty good. Real good. Yeah, all right, maybe. I, I didn't realize he was that high. I don't have that feeling about Andrew Luck. Well, I don't but have the numbers don't lie. So. I don't have it about Stafford, quite frankly. I never have. And, and the thing about Matt Stafford is he's 340 oh, yeah. yards up, and three touchdowns, down, up, or he's 213 and no touchdowns. Right, right. I mean, and, and that's what I don't like about and him. Good luck predicting it. The damn opponent doesn't matter. <laughs> no. There's no way to – it just happens. But one thing I have noticed, they are, what, 4-1 and one in their last five games – his stats have consistently, other than the 274 touchdown game against Los Angeles, have come down where they're much more balanced attack. Right. And that's one thing about Matt Stafford, fantasy-wise, I'm not liking. Yeah, yeah, it definitely makes you nervous. All right, moving on. I, I, this one's interesting to me, and I've seen a lot of discussion on it on the tweeters all week. Buy or sell, it is time to sell high on Ty Montgomery. Button's giving you a hard time. Yeah, it is. Tonight. I think it is. Starks is coming back, and I think it's time to sell high. Get what you I mean, if you can get a nice deal on him, do it. Yeah, look, the argument on the other side has been they found a weapon here, and they're going to continue to but utilize But they're losing. That's number one. You're right. And I'll tell you, I accept some of that argument. I I truly do. But here's the bottom line. You're going to need – it's about to turn minus 40 with the snow blowing every week in Green Bay any day now if it's not already there. You're going to need to establish a legitimate running game. Ty Montgomery's done a nice job, but it's still been kind of gimmicky, right? And defenses are going to be able to prepare for it now that the the first – first or second time we saw it was a surprise to I don't remember who they were playing but it, it was when it looked really good it was a surprise you get James Starks back who's a legitimate and a talented NFL running back albeit fragile he's very talented when he's on the field right we've seen Jordy Nelson turn the corner here a little bit the last couple of weeks you've seen the emergence of Devontae Adams Randall Cobb's still in town. There's just there's a lot to spread out, and I don't know where Ty Montgomery fits into that picture enough to hold real fantasy value once James Starks, once he's not in that backfield. When he becomes just a wide receiver, all of a sudden he's the fourth wide receiver on that team. Yeah, and I'm trying to figure out the identity of, of these Packers. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has exploded the last three weeks. But if you go back to, as far back as week six with Dallas, since then they are one and three. And Aaron Rodgers has exploded, but Green Bay is losing. Right. And it's the defense, obviously, that, that, that's, that's really causing the concern because Aaron Rodgers in the last three games has ten touchdowns and one pick. And – damn near 800, yeah. 900 yards. He's gone off. Passing, um, if not more. So, yeah, I mean, they, they've only beaten Chicago in the last four games. They've given up 30 points to Dallas. They gave up 33 points to Atlanta, and they gave up 31 to Indianapolis. They've got to slow the game down. They're not slowing it down with Montgomery. Starks 
if they can do it. I mean, right. you know, if they can get the running game going, which they didn't seem to be able to do with Lacey or Starks early on, somewhere along the line, they've got to establish this beat-down run game when it starts getting cold and let Rodgers do what he does right? and hope to God the defense doesn't give up 35 to everybody. That's the, That's been the real problem with that team. That defense is nowhere near what we expect them to be. All right, Rick, we got time for one more. Let's get to it really quickly here. I'm curious what your thoughts are on this one because I don't know what to think about it myself. Fact or fiction, Paul Perk, Paul Perkins is poised to take over as the Giants' number one running back. I don't think he's going to take over, but I think they're going to go RBBC. I think it's going to be a pretty, you know, balanced attack there. I, I mean, Rashad Jennings is healthy enough. They're going to use him and – Perkins, and then you have what? Bobby Rainey's still around. Rainey, Darkwa. They've got a lot of people they can just plug and play in there. I don't think he's going to come in here and just take over. So I think that's fiction. Yeah, I guess it depends on how you define number one running back. I think we're going to see him soon, where I would call this a fact is he's going to start getting more work than Rashad Jennings. He sort of came out of nowhere, right? Just all of a sudden, we started hearing his name last week. And, and you look at the carries between him and Jennings, 11 to 11. Right. You look at the catches between him and Jennings, 3 and 3. I, I agree. So you know what you have in Jennings. They, they think they have a, a David Wilson type to bring that name back <laughs> There up. we go. But to, but to say Perkins. that he's going to take over, no, see, taking over he's not to gonna, me right. is Melvin Gordon, right. Le'Veon Bell, that kind of thing. No, I don't think he's going to do that. Yeah, he's not going to get rid of Rashad Jennings, right. assuming he stays healthy. But but I think he gets more and more opportunity. What I don't know is what he does with that opportunity because I'm going to do something we do on this show that other shows don't. I don't know a whole – I'm going to be honest. I don't know a whole lot about Paul Perkins. He just sort of sort of showed up. You know, they, they were waiting for him as a young guy. They do expect big things from him. Yeah, so he's I a think talented he's, guy. You start working a little more bit of and him, more but... in, but I can't right. definitively say. So here's how I'm going to answer. I can't definitively say if it's going to work. Rashad Jennings isn't going anywhere, but Paul Perkins, I think in the next two or three weeks, is going to start seeing more of a two-thirds to one-third share of this workload versus the perfect 50-50 split they had last week. If he produces, and, and and that's the key. You're you're absolutely right, and um, you know I I think still it's Rashad Jennings' gig per se, but I mean yeah, Paul Perkins for the year he has 21 carries, 71 yards. It's not like he's been setting the world on fire. So every they're they're averaging what three three and a quarter yards a carry, something like that. The both of them. You wonder at what point this lack of a running game is going to render the – the Giants have had no running game. There was, we had that one nice game of, out of Orleans Darqua when Rashad Jennings was out. He had that one big game. They just flat haven't been able to run the ball. So that's where I don't have a lot of confidence in Paul Perkins coming in and Well, that's going the thing. Nuts. We just brought up the four guys, Jennings, Perkins, Rainey, and, and Darqua. They're all three-something to carry. Yeah. yeah that's, they just don't have a great run game. Yeah, that's who that team is. All right, well, we will leave it at that. Fact or fiction is done, and I'm pretty sure I won again. So congratulations to me. I'm very proud of that. Thank you for joining us again this week. Thanks to the Arena Sports Network for having having us back. Can't get rid of us, Rick. We're like a, we're like a cold. We're like a cough, a dry cough. You just can't get rid of us. 
We will be back Sunday, 10 o'clock Eastern, Blog Talk Radio, AsylumFantasySports.com for the Inside Slant. Get your questions in at Asylum Football, asylumfootball at gmail.com. We'll be back here on the Arena Sports Network, arenasportsnet.com, next week, Thursday, 8 o'clock Eastern, until Sunday or Thursday or both. We'll see you. Take care. Turning you on, making you laugh, helping you live and forget your past. Who's making you smile, not making you blue? Who is the guy saying I love you? Who's looking enough to be spending this night? Not here all alone.